And it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village and ask, and if anyone asks you, where are you, why are you loosing this colt, a colt that has never been uh, ridden upon and is tied up there, uh, thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. And they said, the Lord has need of him, and they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works he has done. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest.
first time with us thank you so much for coming we'd love to see you at our information desk on your way out we'll have a little gift for you and love to connect with you just for a few moments at the end of the service now let me invite you to close your eyes bow your head take just a moment in prayer i want to ask you to take a moment thank god for a few of the blessings in your life like the song says count your many blessings name them one by one thank you man lord thank you my blessings and call those out. Thank you, Lord, for my family, my friends, my home, for this church. I'm thankful for this church. Lord, thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. I pray for this service. Lord, would you work in my life and in my heart through this service. Lord, convict me where I need conviction. Teach me where I need teaching. Encourage me where I need encouragement. Just pray, Lord, would you make me more like you through this service. Lord, we thank you for this day. You bless us with you're so good to us. Thank you, Lord, for each one who's come to take part in this service today. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy and grace, all that you do for us. Lord, thank you that you care for us when we're hurting and going through difficulties. Lord, I pray you'll be with Miss Donnie 
Brother Vernon, that you'd give them answers. Lord, the same for Maddie McNeil and that family, Lord, that you would give answers to, to her health problems, God. That you'll be with Scott and Jennifer as she recovers, Miss Dorothy. Lord, thank you for Brother Dave, Brother Gary Don. Thank you that he's here with us this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen him, God. Give him a good day today. Thank you for Miss Laquita and Katie. Casey and Rusty. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Ray and that he has surgery upcoming. I pray that you will work in a mighty way through that. We'll give you all the glory, honor, and praise on the other side. Lord, I ask that you be with the family of Rudy Downey and their time of loss. They would feel your peace, your presence, and your comfort during this time. Lord, I thank you for Brother Aaron and this worship team, their faithfulness. I pray you'll use them in a mighty way today. For your kingdom, bless them, Lord. And as Brother Charles comes to preach, I pray he'll open up your word. He'll be your mouthpiece. You'll speak through him, use him in a mighty way, and that our hearts will be opened, ready to receive and respond. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Let's say our scripture together. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Romans 6, 5.
you, Mr. Andy Valerie. It's another one of our Woodland Hills Christian Academy students. Proud of those guys. Church, join us in singing. There's nothing our God can do. Just one word. Just one touch is all it takes for the master. Amen. Sing it with us. Just one word. You calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word. The darkness has to retreat. That's right. Oh, just one touch. Just one touch. I feel the presence of heaven. This just one touch. My eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can do. There's not a Yeah. 
things and everything we do is done through thee. Thankful Heavenly Father for this church and for all the people that's involved in it, for those that talk to little children and so many of them here this morning, a great job. For all of our people that work with the church, we ask you to bless them, fill them with your Holy Spirit that we can feel your presence in our services. Bless the one that brings a message today. Lord, if there's someone here that knows not Jesus, help this be the day that they'll find the Lord. And those, Lord, that's looking for a church home, help us realize that what a church we have here and be one of us. Bless us as we take the offering. May it be used for the honor and glory of God. Forgive us for our weaknesses, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Suffering and disgrace 
I will kneel in the dust at the foot of the cross where mercy paid for me. Where the wrath I deserve, it is gone, it is past, your blood has
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Well, have you been blessed? Amen. I tell you what, he's trying to knock me out of a job. I've already heard rumors that there's no need of me preparing a sermon for next Sunday. But I got news. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Turn if you would. We're talking about, let's talk about Jesus. John chapter 19 this morning. As we think about all oh, the wondrous cross. The wondrous cross. I, I hope we'll never get over the thrill 
of what Calvary has done for us. Uh, for the child of God, the death on the cross is deep significance. Praise God for the resurrection. Praise God for the crucifixion. But I tell you, without the cross, that's where the power comes from. We're saved from the penalty of sin. John chapter 19, beginning in verse 16. <clears throat> Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, John 19, verse 16, Then delivered he him, therefore, unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of skull, which is called in Hebrew the Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two others with him on either side, one and Jesus in the middle. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on a cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, Therefore among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith they pardon did my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus, therefore, saw his mother, and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. There was a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. He bowed his head, gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was a preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they may be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came thereout blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Father, thank you for your holy word this morning. God, would you speak to our hearts? 
May the Holy Spirit fill this place and you manifest yourself in this place today. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the music, the offering, the testimonies. Lord, thank you for the children this morning. And Lord, how special this entire day has been. But Lord, the most important thing that we do in this house today is prepare people to meet the Lord. There are some in this place that need you as a personal Savior. May today be their day of salvation. Others need to make other decisions. We're mindful that you're King of kings and Lord of lords. You're everything and we're nothing. So we ask you to do your ministry and your work in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Jesus died to make us holy. He saves us from the power of sin, and someday he's going to take us to heaven. Uh, we're saved, and we're justified positionally. We're being saved and sanctified, and one day we're going to be glorified, and we're going to be caught up. Paul said, when I came to Corinth, I, did, I looked at all of the colleges. I looked at all the, the theologians and all of the upper learning and he said, I didn't preach anything except Jesus and the cross. That's all I preached. He went to Galatia. God forbid, he said, Paul said, that I should preach anything except the cross. And I'm not going to boast in anything. I'm not going to boast how good Woodland Hills Baptist Church is. I'm not going to boast how good the preacher is. Amen? <laughs> Boy, you got to drag it out of them this morning. I, I'm not going to boast how good the music minister is or anything else. I'm going to boast about the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing we can boast about today. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. It's a matter of lifting up Jesus this morning. Oh, the wonderful cross. When I think about Jesus dying on the cross, there are some things that just come to my mind. The first thing that comes to my mind is... When Jesus died on the cross, he died with a reason. He died for a purpose. Could I tell you that Jesus dying on the cross was not plan B? It was not that God the Father came and said, Son, we've, we've tried everything else we know to do. And nothing seems to have worked out. So I guess we're going to have to call on you. And, and you're going to have to, to, to die on the cross. Wow. No, 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 no. Throughout this scripture we read, you'll read over and over again that the scripture might be fulfilled, that the scripture might be fulfilled. God predetermined his plan of salvation for sinners was going to be the way of the cross. It wasn't plan B. When Jesus came to this earth, he grew up as a child. Uh, you remember when he was about 12, they lost him and they turned around, went back, found him in the temple. He was teaching, and it was amazing, the theologians. They said, what are you doing, son? And they said, I must be about my father's business. What is the father's business? The cross. That's the father's business. He lived in obscurity. He was in a home of a carpenter. He traveled to the Jordan River and was baptized there in the Jordan River. Even that baptismal service points us toward the cross. Even that. He's standing there representing the death. 
And then they lower him, John the Baptist does, in the Jordan River, representing the fact that he went into a borrowed tomb. And then they raised him up, representing the fact that on the third day he arose and he's alive today. That's the cross. And then the Father spoke from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The reason was Calvary. The destiny was the cross. He told his disciples that he had come to suffer. He told his disciples that he was going to be crucified. Oh, no, 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 no. We want a Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah that would deliver them from the Roman government. Jesus said, I didn't come to deliver you from the Roman government. I came to go to the cross to die in your place. So there's a reason this morning for the cross. It, we've got to have the cross. The resurrection would do no good if it weren't for the cross. Secondly, I note that when Jesus died on the cross, he died voluntarily. No, nobody took his life from him. He gave his life. He was in total control of the cross. In fact, while he's hanging there on the cross, he's, loose, he's, he's closing up some loose ends. He looks down and he sees his mother and he said, Woman, behold thy son. Why do you say woman? Because she's still just an earthly woman. It was the responsibility of the elder son to take care of the mother, but James and Jude, uh, they are, they're, they're not saved. They're on the other side of the resurrection. So he looks down and says, Woman, behold thy son. And then the Bible says he looks at the disciple that he loved, John, and he said, John, behold thy mother. Why did he want John to take care? I think it's because John was a believer. He had followed Jesus. And the Bible says that from that time, the disciple took her unto his own home. He's, he's closing up business. Even when, Nobody drug him up there. Nobody made him go up there. Nobody nudged him. Nobody pushed him that he had to go. He honestly, with passion, went to the cross. <laughs> Thirdly, when I think of Jesus dying on the cross, I think the Bible teaches that he died sacrificially. He died sacrificially. You know, we don't, we don't do a lot of doctrine. People think doctrine's boring. We, I teach doctrine all the time. I just don't dare tell you it's doctrine. Uh, but but we, we all think doctrine is boring. So, we, you know... All we want to do is just be, uh, praise the Lord and just get out of here in time to go eat lunch. But there's a doctrine called the doctrine of penal substitution. And what that means is that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die as a martyr. He didn't die as an example. I've heard preachers say he was an example. If he was an example, that means we all got to die on the cross. He wasn't an example he wasn't a martyr. <laughs> when he died on the cross, he satisfied the wrath of God for our sins. He was dying as a substitute for a man who was separated from a holy and righteous God. And when he died on the cross, he bore in his body the sins of the world. God poured out his wrath on our sins and my sins. And the Lord Jesus Christ took our place. Verse 
30 there in that 19th chapter says, Jesus received the vinegar. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. I'm so thankful today that Jesus didn't say, I'm finished. He's not finished. <laughs> he said, it is finished. Now, in the Greek, the word for it is finished, it takes one word in Greek, but it takes three in English. It is finished. But the Greek word is tetelestai. Tetelestai. It is finished. And it's used two different ways in, in the Greek culture. The first way, it's used as an artist. Beautiful artist picture. They would be painting a picture. I don't know. Some of y'all in here are painters, I know, because uh, I've seen some of you work. Uh, they would paint that masterpiece, and they would put that last little brown over here, a little green over here, a little, little darker charcoal down here in the bottom. They would get everything just right. And then they would back up, and they would look at that picture. And I mean, everything was perfect. And they would say, to Telestai, it is finished. We don't have to add any more strokes to it. We don't have to take anything away from it. It is finished. And when Jesus said to Telestai, he's saying the plan of salvation is finished. There's nothing you can add to it. There's nothing you can take away from it. It is finished. The second way that they use that word to Telestai was when a person like went to McCoy's and got some lumber and everything and then uh, he went back down the next month to pay it off. He would pay his bill and they would write on that receipt there to Telestai. That means paid in full. <laughs> Woo, somebody better get happy now. I'm telling you, do you get the comprehension? When Jesus died on the cross... His blood paid in full everything you had. It's paid for. To Telestai. It's finished. It's over. You can't do one thing more to be saved other than just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can take away. There's nothing you can add to it. It is finished. God's plan for redemption was finished. I tell you, whoo. When the Lord shed his blood on that cross, nothing but the grace of God. Now listen, that's the only way we can be saved today, through the grace of God. You hear me now? Grace is a free gift. If you have to pay something for grace, it ceases to be grace. It becomes works then. See, grace is free. It's a free gift. But if I have to do something to get grace... That means it's not grace anymore, it's works. And our salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. Not a one of us in here can say, oh, I, I, I've lived a good enough life. I, I know I'm all right. No, you headed for hell where you headed. If you're going in there any other way but through the blood of Jesus Christ, it cost him everything. It cost me nothing. The Bible said that Romans says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. 
There's no doubt when we think about Jesus dying on the cross, it was a purpose for it. It was a reason. It was our salvation. There's no doubt when we think about Jesus dying on the cross that he went willingly. It was his plan. He was left heaven and came to earth to be born in a manger so that he could die on a cross. It was willingly. When we think about Jesus dying on the cross, it was sacrificially. He didn't do it to have a good time. It wasn't so he could be cool. It wasn't so people could say, oh, that's a good job, Jesus. It was so you and me, our sins could be paid for. But when I think about Jesus dying on the cross, I cannot leave a message without thinking about that he died victoriously. You say, died victoriously? They don't act like that goes together. You see, the, the cross rocked the very foundation of hell. <laughs> I mean, it, it broke the power that Satan has over mankind. You may be here this morning and you're saying, I, I've got an addiction. I've got a problem. I've got a stronghold. I've got a habit. I've got a bondage that's just reeking me. I need to break it. Preacher, what's the answer to break it? The cross. Coming to Jesus through the cross will break what's got a hold of you this morning. You, you didn't hear that. I'm selling you whatever problem you've got in your life. If you'll bring that problem to the cross through the blood of Jesus Christ, it will break that habit, that sin, that stronghold, that bondage, that addiction, whatever it is, the cross. The power of the cross is what sets the sinner free. The power of the cross is what overcame the devil. The power of the cross pushes back the darkness. And the main message for the New Testament church today is not politics. It's not how to make you feel better. It's not coaching you. It is to declare that if you want to be saved, you come to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the message that we need to get out. You say, well, preacher, I, that's the message we need to get out. We talk about everything in the world. I'm telling you, we need to get back to the cross. We need to get back and talk about Jesus and lift up Jesus. It's the cross that draws people to Jesus. It's the cross that repulses the attacks of the devil. When Jesus died on the cross, he died. Let me give you a little more doctrine here. Don't just put it in there. Don't think it's doctrine. But there's a lot of younger preachers today who have been reformed. And they think that God died for a select few. I'm telling you, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for the whole world, for every person. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. John 3, 16, we know that. 1 John 2, 2, he is the propitiation. That word propitiation is another uh, uh, doctrinal word that just means he's a substitute. He is a substitute for my sin. And then the Bible goes on to say, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
How about 1 Timothy 2, 4? Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of truth. How about 1 Timothy 4, 10? Therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men. Don't you think God created you to go to hell this morning? Jesus died on the cross so that you could have everlasting life. That that goes for anybody in this place today. His death on the cross met the demands of a righteous God. He conquered sin and the devil, and he gives us the power to live a crucified life. Paul said, I'm not going to brag on anything else but the cross. I'm going to preach the cross, and I'm going to brag on Jesus. What a privilege to preach about the cross. I've never gotten over it. I hear somebody sing about the cross. It still thrills my soul. I pray I'll never get over it. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I hope we never get over what Christ did for us on the cross. He came. He healed the sick. He, he cleansed the lepers. He gave sight to the blind. He, he raised the dead. You, you, you know, you can sum all of that up to just say this. He loved on people. He just loved on people. And folks, that's what we need to do today. We just need to love on people. He was betrayed. He was arrested by sinners. He stood trial before a bunch of religious hypocrites. And then those religious hypocrites turned him over to a corrupt politician who wasn't worried about anything except how he was going to keep his power. Does that sound familiar anywhere to anybody? Something never change in life. Something never change. Then they put a crown of thorns on his head. They stripped him, beat him with the cat of nine tails. It would be like taking a razor blade and just cutting the back of Jesus where those stones went in and came out of the flesh to a place where he was literally unrecognizable. And then they laid those timbers down and he carried those timbers up to Calvary and they took the hands of our Savior, the hands who had held the little children and said, suffer them not to come to me. They took those hands who had made mud and put on a blind man's eyes and suddenly he can see. They took those hands who had touched a leper and cleansed him. They took the clothes where the lady just leapt to touch the hem of his garment. Then they lifted up that cross and nailed the hands to those timbers. Then they nailed his feet. Then they lifted him up on that cross. There had been a hole dug there. And then they dropped that cross in that hole and literally everything in his body shook. And then they positioned him between two thieves. He bore our sin. He satisfied our debt. It is finished. The choice of heaven or hell determined by you. The choice of life or death determined by you.
the ball's in your court. Jesus has done his part. It is finished. The telestai. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of going somewhere to a common ward in a hospital where poor people were there, no insurance or anything. And literally, as long as you can see, there's just one body after the other body. Just one after the other. Poor people. And it was a custom for this man up north in a city, and he was in that ward. It was a custom of the hospital and was customs of all common wards like that, that when somebody was about to die, the orderlies would bring some screams and they would set them around the bed. And it really was just so people wouldn't look at them. And the, the basic thing was it was so they could die in peace. They could just die in peace. One day as this man was laying in the hospital, here come the orderlies. They didn't say anything. They just put the screen around his bed so that nobody could see him. Nobody could look at him. He could die in peace. When they left, he, he, he thought to himself, I, I, I'm fixing to die. I'm going to die. And I'm not ready to die. Undoubtedly, he had heard the gospel preached. And he said, I, I, Lord, I want to get ready to die. He asked God to forgive him of his sin and come in and take over his life. And he was gloriously saved right there on his deathbed. Isn't that marvelous? Wasn't but a few minutes, though. And the orderlies came back. And they said, sir, we, we apologize. We made a mistake. This wasn't supposed to be at your bed. It was another bed. He rose up in that bed and he said, No, ma'am, you didn't make a mistake. I was lost. I was bound for hell. But now I've been saved. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to go to heaven now. You didn't make a mistake. Could I tell you that you're not here by mistake this morning? You may have thought, I did it to shut my wife up. I did it to shut mama up. I did it. You're not here by mistake. God's got a message for you. It may be this morning. You know you're saved. There's no doubt. You know that. But the truth is, <laughs> you just ain't real happy about it. You look like you've been sucking lemons before you came up here this morning. I notice in the book of Psalms, we misquote this a whole lot. But we'll say, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, Lord, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. You don't have any salvation. It all comes from the Lord. And maybe today, you just need to come to this altar and say, Lord, Man, I need a jump start. I need you to restore the joy of your salvation that you put in me 30 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, whatever. I need, I need that joy restored. He can do it. He will do it. Maybe this morning, though, you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. I was sitting 
thinking, and I've thought about this a whole lot. When I started in the ministry 51 years ago, I, I, I preached that Jesus could come at any time. I really, I preached that. It's in the Word of God. We're to be looking for Him all the time. But I'll tell you one thing, I don't have near, didn't have near the passion then about him coming that I do now. Everything that I thought had to happen. Now, I know you want to be doctrinally sound, and somebody's going to say, rapture's not in the Bible. We can't believe that. And that, see, that you, you, you've missed the doctrine. Uh, we old-time preachers have a doctrine of catching away. You don't have to say the rapture. One day we're going to be caught away. That's scriptural. We're going to be here and all of a sudden these big old bodies that we've ruined with pork ribs and, and, and macaroni and cheese and chicken and dumplings are going to fly out of here just like that. There's not going to be any warning it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye, and we're going to be gone. And could I tell you, I'm telling you the truth with my hand raised. I think scripturally there's not one more thing that has to happen before Jesus comes to catch us up. It could be today. But after that catching up, those who remain here. Hmm. Read the word of God and find out what happens. There'll come a time when all the tribulation is going to be over. You're going to go through seven years of tribulation. And then you're going to be cast into the lake of fire. You're going to have the great white throne judgment. And it's not an opportunity for you to be saved. If you're not saved, you're going to the white throne judgment, period. And my, my, my only thought, my cry, I, I got to quit. I was driving down Highway 80 last night, going to the grocery store. And you see people there, and, and you know what's going on. They're selling themselves, and, you know, all kinds of sin and promiscuous living is going on. But I want to tell you, there, there's probably no one, because this town does a better job of taking care of homeless people than any town I've ever seen in my life. I mean, we've got everything from, from missions to Jesus Burger to all of these different things, and everywhere you go, they're getting the gospel. They're presented the gospel, and then they go on and live their own lifestyle, and, and there's going to come a day when they're going to give an account for it. And I, that, that burdens my heart. But you know what burdened my heart more than that? Would be that somebody could sit in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, preaching church with anointed music and sit week after week after week and end up going to a place that was never designed for man to go. But I don't know if it's pride. I don't know if it's just... I don't know. I just don't understand how you could do that. Father, would you manifest yourself in this place this morning? Let your Holy Spirit move in amongst us. 
tap some folk on the shoulder and tell them today is their day. Maybe there are those that need to be saved, those that need to come to the altar. Maybe there are those here in this place today that need a church home and you've already told them where to go. You've told them what to do. May this be the day that they honor you and say yes to you as Lord and Savior. Father, would you have your way? God, don't let us leave the same way we came in. Have your way in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? Brother Aaron leads us in this invitation. We're not linger a long time. If you're going to come, step out and come. Come on. Jesus, 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 there's just so many about that name. just a moment I want to Miss Betty has earned the right to say something I guarantee you lovely lady of God just listen to her for a moment please well many years ago when I was eight years old um, it was on a Sunday morning and my two brothers that were young teenagers and my sister that was uh, two years younger than me 
we were walking home from church, and uh, well, I went forward that morning, but I'd already been saved. But I just wanted uh, the preacher to pray for me because I just felt like that I just wanted to be closer to Jesus and I wanted to be a witness for my Lord. And so the preacher did pray for me. And, and, and God gave me such a joy that morning, even though that wasn't the morning that I had gotten saved. It had been several weeks before that. And uh, my two brothers, which were young teenagers, and then my sister that's uh, two years younger than me, we were all walking home from church. And I was just so happy because it just seemed like the Lord just filled me fresh again with his Holy Spirit that morning. And I just, I was singing and I was just laughing and my brothers thought I was crazy. And they told me, why don't I settle down? And I said, I'm just so happy because I know that I know that when Jesus comes to this earth, He's going to take me to heaven if I'm still alive. <laughs> but he's going to take me to heaven. I'm going to be with Jesus forever and ever. And my brothers got so tired of hearing me talking about it. And I was laughing and I was crying too, on and off. And I was just so happy. And, and they were so aggravated at me. And they both had already professed Christ as their Savior. Now, whether they were saved then or not, I don't know. But I do know that my brother that's just like uh, two and a half or three years older than me, he does serve the Lord and live for the Lord. But my other brother, and he just passed away not too long ago, my older brother, he made a profession of faith, but he never did have any joy of the Lord and I just hope and pray that he's in heaven but I don't know that but you know life's too short not to know that you know that you know Jesus Christ yeah. as Lord and Savior Amen. of your life I know what Jesus did for me and I was only nine years old eight or nine and you know it was so fresh, I still think back on that day. But that's not what gives me hope. That, that began the hope. But it's every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Because when you know, when you know that you know that Jesus died on the cross for you, also among all the others of thousands of people that have received him, that when you leave this world, you're going to be with him forever and ever. And you know, forever's a long time. <laughs> I mean, none of us know, know how long that is. Mm -hmm. But you know, Pastor, it, it's, it's such a blessing to know that by the grace of God that we can know whether we've been saved or not. Now, I was just eight years old. And my brothers thought I was plum wacko. And they got tired of hearing me. We had to walk home from church. And uh, my daddy worked night shifts at this uh, refinery. So he was sleeping at home and mama was just there at home. But anyway, they kept telling me to shut up. 
you know? And I said, I can't. Amen. I'm just so happy. See, this was the last service of the revival services that we had had. And I went forward that morning. Now, I'd already been saved, yeah. but I wanted to dedicate, rededicate my life to Christ. And those boys, my, my uh, brothers were not going to keep me quiet. I was so full of joy. I was, tears were streaming down my face, Amen. but I was happy. And Amen. I was just, just so full of joy. And they got tired of hearing me talking about it. Now, they weren't saved yet, and that was their problem. Because how can you not have joy in your heart when somebody walking with you is expressing their joy of knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? You know, what's the matter with people today? Where is the joy of the professing Christian? Are they not all saved? Is that it? Or have they just got sin all over them and in their lives, unconfessed sin. And you know, as Christians, we ought to be the happiest people and telling Amen. this world about our Savior. And Amen. I love it. happy to know you for doing that. seated just for a moment. Let's catch up. Don't forget if you're visiting your first time, go by the Connection Center. Uh, and then this evening, church at six o'clock, uh, the Golden Rule. Brother Casey is doing a great job on Sunday night. I hope you'll be back for that. Don't forget ladies Bible study tonight, kids praise. And then uh, starting this Wednesday night, 630, new class back in C105. It's right behind the auditorium here. Uh, with Philip Flowers. See all that information. Easter coming up this Saturday. We need help. Uh, we need help uh, with uh, evangelism. If you'll help Tucker, uh, we don't have, we don't just cram things down people's throats at these festivals, but we have a team that's trained and go to pass out tracks and talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. So if you'll meet Tucker in the prayer room at 1030, you can be a part of that. And uh, we can see folks saved. We do it every year, see people saved because of this festival. Uh, don't forget the golf tournament. I think there are there children out in the foyer that have fish fry tickets if you want to get one of those today and get those going. And then Friday at 3 o'clock here at the church in the worship center, we'll have the memorial service for uh, John Ramey. John and Shirley have been a real blessing uh, to this church and to us and to many of us. So remember that. And then Saturday at 2 o'clock, uh, Christy Freeman, which is Rudy, Rudy Downey's sister, will have a graveside service. She lived in North Carolina, and uh, they're bringing the body back here. It's supposed to be a graveside service. So uh, help us with that also. All right? All right. Let's see. We've got here uh, Billy and Rhonda Westbrook. If you all would come 
Who, who do y'all know best here? Everybody. Everybody. You know everybody. <laughs> you're, fine. You're, fine. you're fine. You don't need anybody to stand with you, huh? Then you want to know. Huh? Hey, hey, I've been there, done that. <laughs> uh, no. They come this morning, they're saved and know the Lord and want to be a part of this church. What's your pleasure uh, to receive them? Amen. Please come by and give them the right hand of Christian fellowship and welcome them to Woodland Hills. They've been coming a long time and they don't need a lot of welcoming. They just already fit in and we praise the Lord for sending them to us. Would you stand together with me, please? Uh, let's see. I love to tell the story. Yeah, twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Brother Wayne, Hare, would you lead us in our closing prayer? <laughs> 